0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Black Clock Audio Tales. I am your editor, producer, host, and all-around person who does... Thank you for listening. As always, the show is brought to you by BunnySlippers.com. I just have to say, the Highland Cow Slippers continue to keep my feet warm as I record. Oh man. Woo baby. And hopefully in October, I'll be throwing a pair out into... Uh, some panel group at the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Hopefully that's going on in October. I hope everyone's doing well. I hope everyone's staying safe. I hope everyone's staying clean. And when you're out and about, staying sterile. I don't know. Hey, just keep your brain going. Listen to some Oz. <coughs> I, I wonder what happens if if uh, you sync uh, this podcast up with uh, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, or who? Maybe if you uh, play the podcast while you watch Live at Pompeii. I don't know. Anyway, so <laughs> um, I, I don't mean to laugh at my own jokes, but there's no one else here, too. So yeah, uh, hope you checked out and enjoyed David Heath talking about Wizard of Oz and pop culture. And coming up soon, we're going to have Ken Haidt talking about the Wizard of Oz. I should have done a special where I put them together, but I didn't think about that. Oh, man. I fell down some stairs the other day. I hurt my ankle and my wrist. It's I'm I'm finally getting this all out at the last minute, but yeah. So, hey, I hope you enjoy this. I hope you enjoy this week. This is the final week of Oz. This is the fifth story of... Dorothy Gale? Yeah, Dorothy Gale. Okay, so... But there's a ton more Oz books out there. There is seriously an insane amount of Oz books. They kept writing them. Not just... Uh, like um, Kind of like the Oz... Kind of like the Oz Society approves fan fiction kind of stuff. It's a ton of stuff out there. I, I, I recommend checking out the artwork at least. It's, it's very cool, interesting stuff. And yeah... Wizard of Oz, it's fun. its I enjoy it. hope, oh, Hopefully you're enjoying it and you've made it through the five books. I can't remember what next month is, but it's going to be fun. And also, don't forget to check out People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos coming out on Tuesday of this week. And we're going to be talking about a certain region of France that Clark Ashton Smith wrote about. And what else can we think? Yeah, no, remember to subscribe, listen, listen, Uh, Tell your friends about it. And that's the best way you can help the show is rate and review on iTunes, Stitcher, and anywhere else that podcasts are found because that's what's helpful. Here we go.
1: Chapter 22. How the Wizard Found Dorothy. When they came to the signpost, there to their joy were the tents of the wizard pitched beside the path and the kettle bubbling merrily over the fire. The Shaggy Man and Ombi-Ambi were gathering firewood while Uncle Henry and Aunt Em sat in their camp chairs talking with the wizard. They all ran forward to greet Dorothy as she approached, and Aunt Em exclaimed, Goodness gracious, child, where have you been? You've played hooky the whole day, added the Shaggy Man reproachfully. Well, you see I've been lost, explained the little girl, and I've tried awful hard to find the way back to you, but just couldn't do it. "'Did you wander in the forest all day?' asked Uncle Henry. "'You must be almost starved,' said Aunt Em. "'No,' said Dorothy, "'I'm not hungry. I had a wheelbarrow and a piano for breakfast, and lunched with a king.' "'Ah!' exclaimed the wizard, nodding with a bright smile. "'So you've been having adventures again.' "'She's star-crazy,' cried Aunt Em. "'Who ever heard of eating a wheelbarrow?' "'It wasn't very big,' said Dorothy.' "'and it had a Zuzu wheel. "'And I ate the crumbs,' said Belina soberly. "'Sit down and tell us about it,' begged the wizard. "'We've hunted for you all day, "'and at last I noticed your footsteps in this path "'and the tracks of Belina. "'We found the path by accident, "'and seeing it only led to two places, "'I decided you were at either one or the other of those places, "'so we made camp and waited for you to return.' "'And now, Dorothy, tell us where you have been, to Bunbury or to Bunnybury?' "'Why, I've been to both,' she replied. "'But first I went to Utensia, which isn't on any path at all.' She then sat down and related the day's adventures, and you may be sure Aunt Em and Uncle Henry were much astonished at the story. "'But after seeing the cuttin' and clips and the fuddles,' remarked her uncle, "'we ought not to wonder at anything in this strange country. "'Seems like the only common and ordinary folks here are ourselves,' rejoined N. M. diffidently. "'Now that we're together again and one reunited party,' observed the shaggy Man. "'What are we to do next?' "'Have some supper and a night's rest,' answered the wizard promptly, "'and then proceed upon our journey. "'Where to?' "'asked the Captain-General. "'We haven't visited the rigmaroles or the flutter budgets yet,' said Dorothy. "'I'd like to see them, wouldn't you?' "'They don't sound very interesting,' objected Aunt Em. "'But perhaps they are.' "'And then,' continued the little wizard, "'we will call upon the Tin Woodman and Jack Pumpkinhead "'and our old friend the Scarecrow on our way home.' "'That will be nice,' cried Dorothy eagerly. Can't say they sound very interesting, either," remarked Aunt Em. Why, they're the best friends I have," asserted the little girl. And you're sure to like them, Aunt Em, because everybody likes them. By this time twilight was approaching, so they ate the fine supper which the wizard magically produced from the kettle, and then went to bed in the cozy tents. They were all up bright and early next morning. But Dorothy didn't venture to wander from the camp again for fear of more accidents. ''Do you know where there's a road?'' she asked the little man. ''No, my dear,'' replied the wizard, ''but I'll find one.'' After breakfast, he waved his hands toward the tents, and they became handkerchiefs again, which were at once returned to the pockets of their owners. Then they all climbed into the red wagon, and the sawhorse inquired, ''Which way?'' Never mind which way, replied the wizard. Just go as you please, and you're sure to be right. I've enchanted the wheels of the wagon, and they will roll in the right direction, never fear. As the Sawhorse started away through the trees, Dorothy said, If we had one of those new fashion airships, we could float away over the top of the forest and look down and just find the places we want. Airships? Pah! retorted the little man scornfully. I hate those things, Dorothy, although they are nothing new to either you or me. I was a balloonist for many years, and once my balloon carried me to the land of Oz, and once to the vegetable kingdom. And once Ozma had a gump that flew all over this kingdom, and had sense enough to go where it was told to, which airships won't do. The house which the cyclone brought to Oz all the way from Kansas, with you and Toto in it, "'was a real airship at the time. "'So you see, we've got plenty of experience flying with the birds.' "'Airships are not so bad after all,' declared Dorothy. "'Someday they'll fly all over the world, "'and perhaps bring people even to the land of Oz.' "'I must speak to Ozma about that,' said the wizard with a slight frown. "'It wouldn't do at all, you know.' Or the Emerald City to become a way-station on an airship line?' "'No,' said Dorothy. "'I don't suppose it would. "'But what can we do to prevent it?' "'I'm working out a magic recipe to fuddle men's brains "'so they'll never make an airship that will go where they want it to go,' "'the wizard confided to her. "'That won't keep the things from flying now and then, "'but it'll keep them from flying to the Land of Oz.' "'Just them.' The sawhorse drew the wagon out of the forest, and a beautiful landscape lay spread before the traveler's eyes. Moreover, right before them was a good road that wound away through the hills and valleys. "'Now,' said the wizard with evident delight, "'we are on the right track again, and there is nothing more to worry about.' "'It's a foolish thing to take chances in a strange country,' observed the shaggy man." "'Had we kept to the roads, we never would have been lost. "'Roads always lead to some place, else they wouldn't be roads. "'This road,' added the wizard, "'leads to Rigamarole Town. "'I'm sure of that because I enchanted the wagon wheels.' "'Sure enough, after riding along the road for an hour or two, "'they entered a pretty valley where a village was nestled among the hills.' The houses were munchkin-shaped, for they were all domes, with windows wider than they were high, and pretty balconies over the front doors. Aunt Em was greatly relieved to find this town neither paper nor patchwork, and the only surprising thing about it was that it was so far distant from all other towns. As the sawhorse drew the wagon into the main street— the travelers noticed that the place was filled with people standing in groups and seeming to be engaged in earnest conversation. So occupied with themselves were the inhabitants that they scarcely noticed the strangers at all. So the wizard stopped the boy and asked, Is this rigmarole town? Sir, replied the boy. "'If you have traveled very much, you will have noticed that every town differs from every other town in one way or another, and so, by observing the methods of the people and the way they live, as well as the style of their dwelling-places, it ought not to be difficult to make up your own mind without the trouble of asking questions whether the town bears the appearance of the one you intended to visit.' or whether perhaps having taken a different road from the one you should have taken, you have made an error in your way and arrived at some point where— "'Land sakes!' cried Aunt Em impatiently. "'What's all this rigmarole about?' "'That's it!' said the wizard, laughing merrily. (laughs) "'It's a rigmarole because the boy is a rigmarole, and we've come to rigmarole town.' "'Do they all talk like that?' asked Dorothy wonderingly. He might have said yes or no and settled the question, observed Uncle Henry. Not here, said Amby Amby. I don't believe the rigmaroles know what yes or no means. While the boy had been talking, several other people had approached the wagon and listened intently to his speech. Then they began talking to one another in long deliberate speeches, where many words were used but little was said. But... When the strangers criticized them so frankly, one of the women, who had no one else to talk to, began an address to them, saying, It is the easiest thing in the world for a person to say yes or no, when a question that is asked for the purpose of gaining information or satisfying the curiosity of the one who has given expression to the inquiry, has attracted the attention of an individual who may be competent either from personal experience or the experience of others, to answer it with more or less correctness, or at least an attempt to satisfy the desire for information on the part of the one who has made the inquiry by— "'Dear me!' exclaimed Dorothy, interrupting the speech. "'I've lost all track of what you were saying. Don't let her begin over again, for goodness' sake!' cried Aunt Em. But the woman did not begin again. She did not even stop talking, but went right on as she had begun, the words flowing from her mouth in a stream. "'I'm quite sure that if we waited long enough and listened carefully, some of these people might be able to tell us something in time,' said the wizard. "'Let's don't wait,' returned Dorothy. "'I've heard of the rigmaroles and wondered what they were like.' "'but now I know, and I'm ready to move on.' "'So am I,' declared Uncle Henry. "'We're wasting time here.' "'Why, we are all ready to go,' said the shaggy man, "'putting his fingers to his ears "'to shut out the monotonous babble of those around the wagon.' "'So the wizard spoke to the sawhorse, "'who trotted nimbly through the village "'and soon gained the open country on the other side of it. "'Dorothy looked back as they rode away,' and noticed that the woman had not yet finished her speech, but was talking as glibly as ever, although no one was near to hear her. "'If those people wrote books,' Amby, Amby remarked with a smile, "'it would take a whole library to say the cow jumped over the moon. "'Perhaps some of them do write books,' asserted the little wizard. "'I've read a few rigmaroles that might have come from this very town.' Some of the college lecturers and ministers are certainly related to these people, observed the shaggy man. And it seems to me the land of Oz is a little ahead of the United States in some of its laws. For here, if one can't talk clearly and straight to the point, they send him to Rigamarole Town, while Uncle Sam lets him roam around wild and free to torture innocent people. Dorothy was thoughtful the rigmaroles had made a strong impression upon her, she decided that whenever she spoke, after this, she would use only enough words to express what she wanted to say. End of chapter 22
0: hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying Emerald City of Oz. And just a reminder, it really helps if you you don't have to donate money, you don't have to do anything, all you have to do is Go to wherever you find this show And just review it Give it a couple of stars Give it, well, more than a couple of stars I mean, at least three or four And, you know, always say something Not always, jeez, I don't want to tell you what to do But say something nice I don't know There's people who don't like the first three minutes And are, like, really mean about it And, uh, yeah I don't know, it's not Anyway just, just it helps the show, and it gets me money for advertising, so I don't have to do this in the middle of the show. All right, thank you very much, and hope you enjoy the next 15 to 20 minutes left of the show. All right, thank you. Have a good one.
1: Three. How they encountered the flutter budgets. They were soon among the pretty hills and valleys again, and the sawhorse sped uphill and down at a fast and easy pace. The roads being hard and smooth, mile after mile was speedily covered, and before the ride had grown at all tiresome, they sighted another village. The place seemed even larger than Old Town, but was not so attractive in appearance. This must be Flutterbudget's center, declared the wizard. You see, it's no trouble at all to find places if you keep to the right road. What are the flutter Budgets like? inquired Dorothy. I do not know, my dear, but Ozma has given them a town all their own, and I've heard that whenever one of the people becomes a Flutterbudget he is sent to this place to live. That is true, Umby-Amby added. Flutterbudget's center and rigmarole town are called the Defensive Settlements of Oz. The village they now approached was not built in a valley but on top of a hill and the road they followed wound around the hill like a corkscrew, ascending the hill easily until it came to the town. Look out! screamed a voice. Look out, or you run over my child! They gazed around and saw a woman standing upon the sidewalk, nervously wringing her hands as she gazed at them appealingly. Where is your child? asked the sawhorse. In the house, said the woman, bursting into tears. But if it should happen to be in the road, and you ran over it, those great wheels would crush my darling to jelly. Oh dear, oh dear! Think of my darling child being crushed into jelly by those great wheels!" up," said the wizard sharply, and the sawhorse started on. They had not gone far before a man ran out of a house shouting wildly, Help! Help! The sawhorse stopped short. And the wizard and Uncle Henry and the shaggy man and Umby Amby jumped out of the wagon and ran to the poor man's assistance. Dorothy followed them as quickly as she could. What's the matter? asked the wizard. Help! Help! screamed the man. My wife has cut her finger off and she's bleeding to death. Then he turned and rushed back to the house and all the party went with him. They found a woman in the front dooryard moaning and groaning as if in great pain. Be brave, madam, said the wizard consolingly. You won't die just because you have cut off a finger, you may be sure. But I haven't cut off a finger, she sobbed. Then what has happened? asked Dorothy. I. I pricked my finger with a needle while I was sewing, and the blood came, she replied. "'And now I'll have blood poisoning, and the doctors will cut off my finger, "'and that will give me a fever, and I shall die.' "'Pshaw!' said Dorothy. "'I've pricked my finger many a time, and nothing happened.' "'Really?' asked the woman, brightening and wiping her eyes upon her apron. "'Why, it's nothing at all,' declared the girl. "'You're more scared than hurt.' "'Ah, that's because she's a flutterbudget," said the wizard, nodding wisely.' I think I know now what these people are like. So do I, announced Dorothy. Oh, boo-hoo, hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo, sobbed the woman, giving way to a fresh burst of grief. What's wrong now? asked the shaggy man. Oh, suppose I had pricked my foot, she wailed. Then the doctors would have cut my foot off and I'd be lame for life. "'Surely, ma'am,' replied the wizard, "'and if you'd pricked your nose they might cut your head off. "'But you see you didn't.' "'But I might have!' she exclaimed and began to cry again. "'So they left her and drove away in their wagon, "'and her husband came out and began yelling, "'Help!' as he had before, "'but no one seemed to pay any attention to him. "'As the travellers turned into another street,' They found a man walking excitedly up and down the pavement. He appeared to be in a very nervous condition, and the wizard stopped him to ask, Is anything wrong, sir? Everything is wrong, answered the man dismally. I can't sleep. Why not? inquired Amby If I go to sleep, I have to shut my eyes, he explained. And if I shut my eyes, they may grow together, and then I'd be blind for life. "'Did you ever hear of anyone's eyes growing together?' asked Dorothy. "'No,' said the man. "'I never did, but it would be a dreadful thing, wouldn't it? "'And the thought of it makes me so nervous, I'm afraid to go to sleep.' "'There's no help for this case,' declared the wizard, and they went on. "'At the next street corner a woman rushed up to them, crying, "'Save my baby! Oh, good kind people, save my baby!' Is it in danger? asked Dorothy, noticing that the child was clasped in her arms and seemed sleeping peacefully. Yes, indeed, said the woman nervously. If I should go into the house and throw my child out of the window, it would roll way down to the bottom of the hill. And then, if there were a lot of tigers and bears down there, they would tear my darling babe to pieces and eat it up. Are there any tigers or bears in this neighborhood?" the wizard asked. I've never heard of any, admitted the woman, but if there were... Have you any idea of throwing your baby out of the window? questioned the little man. None at all, she said, but if... All your troubles are due to those ifs, declared the wizard. If you were not a flutterbudget, you wouldn't worry. There's another if, replied the woman. "'Are you a flutterbudget too?' "'I will be if I stay here long,' exclaimed the wizard nervously. "'Another if!' cried the woman. "'But the wizard did not stop to argue with her. "'He made the sawhorse canter all the way down the hill "'and only breathed easily when they were miles away from the village. "'After they had ridden in silence for a while, "'Dorothy turned to the little man and asked— "'Do ifs really make flutter-budgets?' "'I think ifs help,' he answered seriously. "'Foolish fears and worries over nothing, with a mixture of nerves and ifs, "'will soon make a flutter-budget of anyone.' "'Then there was another long silence, "'for all the travelers were thinking over this statement, "'and nearly all decided it must be true. "'The country they were now passing through was everywhere tinted purple,' the prevailing color of the Gillikin country. But as the sawhorse ascended a hill, they found that upon the other side everything was of a rich yellow hue. "'Aha!' cried the Captain General. "'Here is the country of the Winkies. We are just crossing the boundary line.' "'Then we may be able to lunch with the tin woodman,' announced the wizard joyfully. "'Must we lunch on tin?' asked Aunt Em. "'Oh, no,' replied Dorothy.' "'Nick Chopper knows how to feed meat people. "'And he will give us plenty of good things to eat. "'Never fear. "'I've been to his castle before.' "'Is Nick Chopper the Tin Woodman's name?' asked Uncle Henry. "'Yes, that's one of his names,' answered the little girl. "'And another of his names is Emperor of the Winkies. "'He's the king of this country, you know. "'But Ozma rules over all the countries of Oz.' "'Does the Tin Woodman keep any flutter or rigmaroles at his castle?' "'Inquired Aunt Em uneasily. "'No, indeed,' said Dorothy positively. "'He lives in a new tin castle, all full of lovely things.' "'I should think it would rust,' said Uncle Henry. "'He has thousands of winkies to keep it polished for him,' explained the wizard. "'His people love to do anything in their power for their beloved emperor, "'so there isn't a particle of rust on all the big castle." "'I suppose they polished their emperor, too?' said Aunt Em. "'Why, some time ago he had himself nickel-plated,' the wizard answered. "'So he only needs rubbing up once in a while. "'He's the brightest man in all the world, is dear Nick Chopper, and the kindest-hearted.' "'I helped find him,' said Dorothy reflectively. "'Once the Scarecrow and I found the Tin Woodman in the woods,' And he was just rusted still that time, and no mistake. But we oiled his joints, and got him good and slippery, and after that he went with us to visit the wizard at the Emerald City. Was that the time the wizard scared you? asked Aunt Em. He didn't treat us well at first, acknowledged Dorothy, for he made us go away and destroy the wicked witch. But after we found out he was only a humbug wizard, we were not afraid of him. The wizard sighed and looked a little ashamed. When we try to deceive people, we always make mistakes, he said. But I'm getting to be a real wizard now, and Glinda the Good's magic that I am trying to practice can never harm anyone. You were always a good man, declared Dorothy, even when you were a bad wizard. He's a good wizard now, asserted Aunt Em, looking at the little man admiringly. The way he made those tents grow out of handkerchiefs was just wonderful. And didn't he enchant the wagon wheels so they'd find the road? All the people of Oz, said the Captain General, are very proud of their wizard. He once made some soap bubbles that astonished the world. The wizard blushed at this praise, yet it pleased him. He no longer looked sad, but seemed to have recovered his usual good humor. The country through which they now rode was thickly dotted with farmhouses, and yellow grain waved in all the fields. Many of the Winkies could be seen working on their farms, and the wild and unsettled parts of Oz were by this time left far behind. These Winkies appeared to be happy, light-hearted folk, and all removed their caps and bowed low when the red wagon with its load of travelers passed by. It was not long before they saw something glittering in the sunshine far ahead. See, cried Dorothy, that's the tin castle, Aunt Em. And the sawhorse, knowing his passengers were eager to arrive, broke into a swift trot that soon brought them to their destination. End of chapter 23 Chapter 24 HOW THE TIN WOODMAN TOLD THE SAD NEWS The tin woodman received Princess Dorothy's party with much grace and cordiality, yet the little girl decided that something must be worrying with her old friend, because he was not so merry as usual. But at first she said nothing about this, for Uncle Henry and Aunt Em were fairly bubbling over with admiration for the beautiful tin castle and its polished tin owner. So her suspicion that something unpleasant had happened was for a time forgotten. "'Where is the Scarecrow?' she asked, when they had all been ushered into the big tin drawing-room of the castle, the sawhorse being led around to the tin stable in the rear." "'Why our old friend has just moved into his new mansion?' "'explained the tin woodman. "'It has been a long time in building, "'although my Winkies and many other people from all parts of the country "'have been busily working upon it. "'At last, however, it is completed, "'and the Scarecrow took possession of his new home just two days ago. "'I hadn't heard that he wanted a home of his own,' said Dorothy.' Why doesn't he live with Ozma in the Emerald City? He used to, you know, and I thought he was happy there. It seems, said the Tin Woodman, that our dear Scarecrow cannot be contented with city life, however beautiful his surroundings might be. Originally, he was a farmer, for he passed his early years in a cornfield, where he was supposed to frighten away the crows. I know, said Dorothy, nodding. "'I found him and lifted him down from his pole. "'So now, after a long residence in the Emerald City, "'his tastes have turned to farm life again,' continued the Tin Man. "'He feels that he cannot be happy without a farm of his own. "'So Ozma gave him some land and everyone helped him build his mansion, "'and now he is settled there for good.' "'Who designed his house?' asked the Shaggy Man. "'I believe it was Jack Pumpkinhead, who is also a farmer,' was the reply. They were now invited to enter the tin dining-room where luncheon was served. Aunt Em found, to her satisfaction, that Dorothy's promise was more than fulfilled, for although the tin woodman had no appetite of his own, he respected the appetites of his guests and saw that they were bountifully fed.' They passed the afternoon in wandering through the beautiful gardens and grounds of the palace. The walks were all paved with sheets of tin, brightly polished, and there were ten fountains and ten statues here and there among the trees. The flowers were mostly natural flowers and grew in the regular way, but their host showed them one flower bed, which was his special pride. You see... All common flowers fade and die in time, he explained, and so there are seasons when the pretty blooms are scarce. Therefore I decided to make one tin flower bed all of tin flowers, and my workmen have created them with rare skill. Here you see ten camellias, ten marigolds, ten carnations, ten poppies, and ten hollyhocks growing as naturally as if they were real." Indeed, they were a pretty sight, and glistened under the sunlight like spun silver. "'Isn't this tin hollyhock going to seed?' asked the wizard, bending over the flowers. "'Why, I believe it is!' exclaimed the tin woodman, as if surprised. "'I hadn't noticed that before. But I shall plant the tin seeds and raise another bed of tin hollyhocks.' In one corner of the gardens Nick Chopper had established a fish-pond, in which they saw swimming and disporting themselves many pretty tin fishes. "'Would they bite on hooks?' asked Aunt Em curiously. The tin woodman seemed hurt at this question. "'Madam,' said he, "'do you suppose I would allow anyone to catch my beautiful fishes, even if they were foolish enough to bite on hooks?' "'No, indeed!' "'Every created thing is safe from harm in my domain, "'and I would as soon think of killing my little friend Dorothy "'as killing one of my ten fishes.' "'The emperor is very kind-hearted, ma'am,' explained the wizard. "'If a fly happens to land upon his tin body, "'he doesn't rudely brush it off as some people might do. "'He asks it politely to find some other resting place. "'What does the fly do then?' "'Inquired Aunt Em. "'Usually it begs his pardon and goes away,' said the wizard gravely. "'Flies like to be treated politely as well as other creatures, "'and here in Oz they understand what we say to them and behave very nicely.' "'Well,' said Aunt Em, "'the flies in Kansas where I came from don't understand anything but a swat. "'You have to smash them to make them behave, and it's the same with skeeters. "'Do you have skeeters in Oz?' We have some very large mosquitoes here, which sing as beautifully as songbirds," replied the Tin Woodman, but they never bite or annoy our people, because they are well fed and taken care of. "'The reason they bite people in your country is because they are hungry poor things.' "'Yes,' agreed Aunt Em, "'they're hungry all right, and they ain't very particular who they feed on. I'm glad you've got the Skeeters educated in Oz.' That evening, after dinner, they were entertained by the Emperor's tin cornet band, which played for them several sweet melodies. Also the wizard did a few sleight-of-hand tricks to amuse the company, after which they all retired to their cozy tin bedrooms and slept soundly until morning. After breakfast, Dorothy said to the tin woodman, "'If you'll tell us which way to go, we'll visit the scarecrow on our way home.' I'll go with you and show you the way, replied the Emperor, for I must journey today to the Emerald City. He looked so anxious as he said this that the little girl asked, There isn't anything wrong with Ozma, is there? Not yet, said he, but I'm afraid the time has come when I must tell you some very bad news, little friend. Oh, what is it? cried Dorothy. Do you remember the Nome King? "'asked the tin woodman. "'I remember him very well,' she replied. "'The gnome king has not a kind heart,' said the emperor sadly. "'And he has been harboring wicked thoughts of revenge, "'because we once defeated him and liberated his slaves, "'and you took away his magic belt. "'So he has ordered his gnomes to dig a long tunnel underneath the deadly desert.' so that he may march his hosts right into the Emerald City. When he gets there he intends to destroy our beautiful country. Dorothy was much surprised to hear this. How did Ozma find out about the tunnel? she asked. She saw it in her magic picture. Of course, said Dorothy, I might have known that. And what is she going to do? I cannot tell, was the reply. "Pooh!" cried the yellow hen. We are not afraid of gnomes. If we roll a few of our eggs down the tunnel, they'll run away back home as fast as they can go." "'Well, that's true enough,' exclaimed Dorothy. The Scarecrow once conquered all the Gnome King's army with some of Billina's eggs. "'But you do not understand all of the dreadful plot,' continued the Tin Woodman. "'The Gnome King is clever, and he knows his gnomes would run from eggs so he has bargained with many terrible creatures to help him. These evil spirits are not afraid of eggs or anything else, and they are very powerful. So the Gnome King will send them through the tunnel first to conquer and destroy, and then the Gnomes will follow after to get their share of the plunder and slaves. They were all startled to hear this, and every face wore a troubled look. "'Is the tunnel all ready?' asked Dorothy. "'Ozma sent me word yesterday that the tunnel was all completed "'except for a thin crust of earth at the end. "'When our enemies break through this crust "'they will be in the gardens of the royal palace "'in the heart of the Emerald City. "'I offered to arm all my Winkies and march to Ozma's assistance, "'but she said no.' "'I wonder why?' asked Dorothy.' She answered that all the inhabitants of Oz gathered together were not powerful enough to fight and overcome the evil forces of the Nome King. Therefore she refuses to fight at all. But they will capture and enslave us and plunder and ruin all our lovely land, exclaimed the wizard, greatly disturbed by this statement. I fear they will, said the Tin Woodman sorrowfully. "'And I also fear that those who are not fairies, "'such as the wizard and Dorothy and her uncle and aunt, "'as well as Toto and Belina, "'will be speedily put to death by the conquerors.' "'What can be done?' asked Dorothy, "'shuddering a little at the prospect of this awful fate. "'Nothing can be done,' gloomily replied the Emperor of the Winkies. "'But since Ozma refuses my army,' I will go myself to the Emerald City. The least I may do is to perish beside my beloved ruler." End of chapter twenty-four.